fun. <laughs> That's so nice. It's me, KB, and Julie. It's me, Julie. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Elvis Lives, a conspiracy theory podcast, where we just have a chat about conspiracies. We're not conspiracy theorists. We don't necessarily believe all the conspiracies that we talk about, but we like <laughs> having a chat about them. Actually, 99% of the time, we don't believe them. Like, it's very concerned if we believe some of the shit. Yeah. I can say shit. Shit we talk about. Yeah. It's true. Every time. We just like having a chat. There's some crazy conspiracies out there. Um, and today we bring you a new one. Again, we're talking about... Wait, it's C-I-A. Uh, we, we, we just call it the CIA. We just say it really quiet. And I'm always nervous when we do. Me too. Because who knows what will happen. Really don't want to get jailed. No. Or just like randomly disappear and nobody hears. Oh yeah. Then <laughs> just get like a heat sinking miss Oh, oh no, no. <gasps> Um But hey, let's give you like a another brief overview of the CEI CIA. Oh uh, if we call it the CEI we're good. <laughs> um it has gone through a few different uh names. It started off as the COI, the Office of the Coordinator of Information in 1941. Uh, It then became the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, in 1942. It then became the Strategic Services Unit in the SSU in 1945. Then it was the Central Intelligence Group, the CIG, in 1946. And then in 1947, it was particularly 18th of September 1947, uh, the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, was established. So they really, in the 40s, just had no fucking idea what to call themselves. Yeah, they were like, oh, we, we do a thing, and we need and to figure out what the thing smart. is. Let's call us the Central Smarty Group. <laughs> no, smarty don't group. love it. <laughs> um, it grew out of the World War II Office of Strategic Services, which we have just mentioned. Um the it's about u.s intelligence and counterintelligence efforts um before the cia the fbi was in charge of those things um so a lot of things um oh and the military so a lot of things were were either being done twice or things were missed or uh there was a there's competition and coordination issues so they're like okay guys Guys, 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 guys. We'll establish an agency that can can look after all of those things. Um, it's currently in... It's still in use, obviously. The CIA is still around. Oh, we use them? We use them. It's true. It's used for the... Just, you know, like, a central place for intelligence <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. yeah. They um, collect information and then they figure out the best way to... Wow, not do what you're doing. <laughs> What's the word that I'm looking for? I have no idea. Uh, best way Distribute. to move Use forward. It. You know? Yeah. Innovate. Innovate. Let's see what they do. Um, it has a director and a deputy director. Um, only one of these people can be a military officer. There can only be one. There can only be one. Um, the director of Central Intelligence, or the DCI... Uh, was responsible for managing all of the U.S. intelligence gathering activities up until 2004. Um, uh, From 2005, the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act um, meant that a director and a deputy director of national intelligence responsible for coordinating the activities of all U.S. agencies engaged in intelligence gathering, including the CIA, um, were then 
was the act was then appointed in 2005. Good job there. I'm so sorry. Good job. I'm like, still a daytime recording, guys. Daytime recording, but I'm like losing my mind. Um. Yeah. Director of Central Intelligence. I forgot what the DICI is about. The Director of Central Intelligence. Um is drawn from a lot of different places. It could be military, it could be politics, it could be business. Um, some of these people have been... <sighs> Alan W. Deals, he was during the Eisenhower administration. William Casey, during the Reagan administration. Um, and a few others were appointed during Clinton's um, administration. Um, but they are not named in this particular article. Um, it has uh, done a bit. Uh, the CIA is organized into four major directorates. Directorates? Directorates? Okay. Directorates. Right. We need to take it. Directorate. It is a directorate? Directorates. Yeah. I've never had to read that word before in my life. Take a bit. Ever. Have a think. Directorates. <laughs> Interesting. And what what is those four be? Intelligence, operations, science and technology, and administration. Cool, cool, cool. All responsible for different things. Um, they do, like, we know the censorship. We're going to take a break on the, the CIA history, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a brief overview of the history of AIDS and HIV. Oh, good. I know. It seems weird, but it will all become clear later. Um, so, they have... Uh, scientists believe that the HIV virus actually originated in the 1930s in West Africa, but it really only came to our attention during the 1980s um, when we started uh, realizing that maybe it was a, f- a bit more widespread this is than problematic. we really <laughs> thought it would be. Um, in 1981, uh, Super high rates of uh, what they would call a rare form of pneumonia and cancer in young gay men began. It was originally called the Gay-Related Immune Deficiency, or GRID, um, because it um, only affected gay men. Uh, It also was potentially high in injection drug users. So anything... Don't share needles. Yeah, meant that you were sharing needles. In 1982, it was renamed the Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, which is AIDS. You know how I know that, right? How? Unfortunately. Are you about to say Team America? From Rent. Okay. (laughs) Because once upon a time, I did listen to that musical. You did. And you told me everything I know. They do. Acquired Immune Deficiency syndrome. Um, Canada actually reported its first case of AIDS in March 1982. Canada, Canada. Yeah, Canada, Canada. Um, they realised that the infection could be sexually transmitted and caused by HIV. Um, and also not just in gay men and now injection drug users, but also blood transfusion recipients. Oh, yeah. So it's starting to get a little bit more widespread. In 1983, they realized that women could also be infected with AIDS. Um, Good even one, guys. Heterosexual relations. Someone's been straying or drug using. So or blood transfusion. Or blood transfusion. <laughs> Um, in 1985, the first international conference on AIDS was held in Georgia in the U.S. of A, and the first Canadian conference was held in Montreal. Um, in 1986, they decided they discovered that it could be passed from mother to child through breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then a research conference was held in Toronto. Um, CANFAR was founded. It was the f- and the first anti-retroviral drug or AZT, which was also in rent, is approved. Oh yeah! yeah. AZT. In 1988, um, the first World's AIDS Day. World AIDS Day was held on December 1st, and in 1990, it was estimated that 8 to 10 million people had been living with HIV worldwide. Whew. So within 10 years, we have gone from uh, thinking it's only a gay-related uh, immune deficiency to 8 to 10 million people worldwide living with HIV. Hey, guys, remember how we thought this was, like, just a, a slight problem? It turns out it's a massive it's problem. It's a massive problem. Uh, 1992, the triple combination thera- uh, therapy as treatment was introduced, so not just uh, drug-related, um, but it went super far. Um, 1996, uh, Dr. Weinberg started contributing to the development of 3TC, a drug being used to treat HIV. It was a combination of drug therapy, um, which straight up, brought an immediate decline of 60 to 80% in rates of AIDS-related deaths and hospitalization for people who could afford it. So it started getting like, Ooh. yeah. You can have it if you want it, if you, you can, can afford it. For it. Sorry, guys. So the number has now become, <laughs> in 1996, 23 million people living with HIV worldwide. There's a lot of people. So the United Nations Program on AIDS, or um, UNAIDS, was founded. It starts becoming, like, that's tripled in a very short period of time. Oh. So it's from gone from what they think was passed on from monkeys to a lot. A lot, a lot. Oi. A lot, a lot. In 1997, which is one year after, it was estimated 30 million people were living with HIV and AIDS worldwide and 16,000 new infections were happening daily. And my dog, Molly, says, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah. You can hear in the background. Sorry, guys. She's like, well, 1999, which not that long ago, 20 years, the World Health Organization announced that AIDS was the fourth biggest cause of death worldwide and the number one killer in Africa. Ugh. It's now 33 million people worldwide and 14 million people were recognized to have died from AIDS since the start of what they're calling the epidemic, which is now spanded over a decade. Spanded it. Spanded a decade. Yeah. Or more. Almost twice. Um, oh, it just gets worse. It just makes me so sad. The UN adopt the Millennium Development Goals. This is in the Millennium 2000. Yes. Um, and they included a specific goal to reverse the spread of HIV, malaria, and TB. Um, they negotiated with five pharmaceutical companies to reduce the cost of HIV medication for developing countries. For oh, the developing how nice. countries. How, how lovely. Yeah. So those development goals um, in the millennium were number one, were eradicate extreme poverty and hunger. Number two, achieve universal primary education. Number three, promote gender equality and empowerment of women. Number four, reduce child mortality. Um, five, improve maternal health. Six, combat HIV, AIDS, malaria, and other diseases. Just them all. All of them Seven, would be nice. ensure environmental sustainability. And eight, global partnership for development. And we have done a pretty good job with a lot of those things yeah. since then. Yeah, the yeah. world is not as bad as we think it is yeah. and I'm told that it is, but... Again, crazy. In 2002, it was reported that half of the adults living with HIV are women. So it's gone, again, from gay men only to now 15 million women. 
2003, there was the UN, uh, the United States President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, or the PEPFAR, um, provided $15 billion over five years to countries with high infection rates. The World Health Organization announces that three by five, the three by five initiative to bring HIV treatment to three million people by 2005. Not even close. Like that's just 10% of the people that are in. Just a lick. And that they gave themselves two years to do that. In 2009, the 100th antiretroviral drug is approved by the FDA. Ooh, I wonder if that's what I think it is. <laughs> 2010, CANFAR funded Dr. Kelly McDonald unveiled a new HIV vaccine candidate that can reduce and in some cases mm-hmm. prevent HIV progression. Then in 2011, uh, Timothy Ray Brown is cured of HIV four years after completing the treatment. So it took a year to figure that out. Yeah. Um, 2012, the FDA, FDA approves HIV preventative drugs pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP for individuals at high risk for HIV. Um, and then in 2013, the number has still gone up. So it's 35 million wow. people now. This is not that That's really fun. That's really, that's, yeah, really surprising because that PrEP drug is very widely available. Yeah. And it can bring down... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Crazy. Magic. Um, 2014, the UN launched the 90-90-90 targets, which aim for 90% of people living with HIV to be diagnosed, 90% of those diagnosed to be accessing medical treatment, and 90% of those accessing treatment to achieve viral suppression by 2020. It established fast-track targets to dramatically scale up HIV prevention and treatment programs to avert 28 million new infections and end the epidemic as a public health issue by 2030. Um, 2017, the PrEP drug was approved in Canada. Yeah. Um, and that is where we wow. are at in terms of that history. So All we've right, still so got a couple of years unaccounted for, but it's still a, it's still a lot bigger an issue than we think it might be. But also, the problem is is that it maybe maybe started on purpose. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the CIA and mind control. Don't start with my baby! <laughs> no! <laughs> um, no! Since, I told you no! I'm sorry! Since 1981 where the United States kind of acknowledged the existence of HIV AIDS, the rumours have started that um, maybe... The CIA are responsible for the epidemic. Just maybe. What the fuck? No. Um. One of the I like. It's a crazy theory, but the theory is um that the deadly virus was created by the CIA to wipe out homosexuals and African Americans on the order of the U.S. president at the time, who was Richard Nixon. Shut up. Yeah. Shut your mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Um, it had a lot of supporters. The theory had a lot of supporters. It makes, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense to an extent. Um, one of these supporters was former South African President Thabo Mbeki. Beaky. 
I'm so or, sorry. Mbiki. Mbiki? I think um, it's one of those leader names. Mbiki. Oh, uh, yeah, obviously. Um, a quoted is a quote from him from his Time magazine interviews that said, disputing scientific claims that the virus originated in Africa and accusing the US government of manufacturing the disease in military labs. Um, scientists, including Nobel Peace, Pre- Peace Prize winners, have also backed the theory. Who? <laughs> uh, Kenyan ecolog- ecologist? No. Um, but, Julie. No. What? It's okay. Oh, no. What? Because evidence has shown that the CIA connection to HIV and AIDS was, in fact, just created by the KGB during the Cold War in order to discredit the USA. Is this one I tell you? I don't know what the KGB is. <gasps> I'm joking. Look at that face. They're also my initials. Oh! <laughs> um, the KGB uh, is the Russian. I always go say the Russian mafia, but that's not right. Um, the Russian bad guys is the Committee for State Security. Okay, right. So it's the CIA, but yeah, Russian. But Russian. Um, I know always... oh, it's the FBI, but Russian. Yes. Um. <laughs> so it was called Operation Infection. Um, the USSR published letters from anonymous US official sources in scientific journals throughout the 1980s claiming the virus was a CIA experiment gone wrong. Um, but the theory just took hold, and people are pretty convinced to this day still that the CIA could be responsible for the HIV epidemic. But haven't we now, don't, like, isn't it, like, is it for sure that the KGB did it? Or the KGB just started the rumour? The KGB just started the rumour. Um, they, when you look at, um, a lot of scientific evidence, um, from doctors and scientists in journals, uh, they are all pretty sure that it jumped from monkeys to humans somewhere in the Congo during the 1930s. How it happened, they don't know. We don't want to think about it. Maybe more of like a Book of Mormon musical story. Maybe. Yeah. It's a fair amount. But um, despite people, yeah, despite the KGB being like, yeah, we did it. Uh, we didn't <laughs> actually do it. We just created the rumor and you all believed it. How funny are we, guys? <laughs> guys, 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 we're so good. People people do still, uh, still like, yeah, I think the CIA did it. And it would be horrible to think that that. I'm glad we've come round to this. 33 million people. That's an awful, awful thing to think about if people did it on purpose. Well, but then again, LSD and... We didn't get any control. We didn't get any numbers on that, did we? No. So, it's... Um, uh, yeah. It has been technically disproven. So... <laughs> I'd like to believe that the, the that humanity isn't completely lost. Um, but it's fascinating. I learned a lot of things that I didn't know this week in that research. Um, particularly the stats. I didn't know that it was still currently I... at such a high level. Yeah, because I was having a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about prep. Yeah. And that that's pretty much an, um, the best thing that it has ever happened 
happened in terms of medical research yeah. for um, things like uh, AIDS and HIV. Yeah. Because it can be taken before to prevent, it can be taken just after exposure, mm-hmm. and it can dwindle down the prevalence presence i should say of the disease in your immune system to where it's like basically undetectable yeah great it's like almost like you haven't got it and i think maybe this was when we were having a chat about the cure for cancer yes that we had this conversation is that like if we can do that for one why can't we do it for all but i honestly did not know that that many people were still positive yeah but I guess a lot of people don't always have access to medical treatments. Uh, we yeah, we didn't see the breakdown. We of didn't see what the breakdown of was, what countries where. Yeah, um, I might try have a Google of that and link it in the show notes. Um, but oh. I re- like it's very. Um, I don't like all these theories that mean that people are like Holocaust level awful. Yeah, but unfortunately. The Holocaust happened, so we know that we're yeah like, we're capable. We were given free will, and we chose to we chose to eliminate people because of who <sighs> they are and what they can't control. Everything is trash. Everything's trash. People are trash. To yeah. quote glass of wine, people are trash. <laughs> another podcast on the network. Just some self promotion in there while we come to terms with the way the world is going. Oh. Guys, if you have heard this theory or you have other theories you would like us to comment on i don't know how much more of the cia ones i can take i don't know either because Um, the more we find i'm like oh i just lose faith yeah faith in humanity as a whole um you can contact us to contact us in so many different ways you can it's difficult but typing not so much and you can do all these things by looking us up on facebook at elvis lives podcast looking us up on instagram also at elvis lives podcast you can email us at elvis lives podcast at gmail.com and if you would like to rate review subscribe to us you can do that on all of our favorite podcatches but if you are listening to us on spotify you will need to play us on repeat just so that we know how much you, you love. love us yeah um is that everything Julie? yeah i think that's all of it we love you that yeah, too that too thank you so much for listening if this is your first episode it's not usually this heavy Sometimes it's a bit scary. Sometimes it is a lot. The last couple have been uh, quite a bit. But sometimes it's really fun too. So keep on keeping on, guys. We appreciate you being here. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. And this is my stage mum, Irene. And our podcast is called All All the World's World's a Stage Stage Mum. So mum, what's our podcast all about? Conversations between you and me about lots of different things thrown in with a little bit of humour and a lot of opinion. And a whole lot of information. So if you want to listen to our podcast, we bring out an episode every Wednesday on Spotify and iTunes. Our podcast is called All the World's a Stage Mum. Subscribe and follow us now.